Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. This program is all about helping you thrive in some of the most challenging coaching situations. Our aim is to support you in bringing your coaching to the next level, whether you're new to coaching or you're already an expert professional. Welcome to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Behus, and now I'm very pleased to be interviewing Elliot Wagenheim. Is that correctly pronounced, Elliot? It is, and you only have to say my last name once because after this, you can just call me Elliot. Okay, Elliot it is. So, Elliot, please briefly introduce yourself. I guess from a professional standpoint, I'm an attorney, work with small and mid-sized businesses, a coach, a strategist, an entrepreneur myself. What I really love is working with people who feel that they have a calling, with people who have a passion for what they do. And I work with them on everything from the legal stuff, whether your contracts or partnerships or, or even the litigation, to mergers and acquisitions and expanding and how to really align your company with your vision and your highest and best use. Excellent. Very useful. Extremely useful. I hope so. Yes, for a lot of companies, especially in the States. You know that in um, Europe, we don't tend to sue people very easily, but uh, apparently much more so <laughs> in the States. So I guess... You always need to have an attorney at hand, right? I do understand it's easier to sue people in the States, but I think it's still just as bad an idea. I, you know, Nobody ever said, I want to really make my business everything it could possibly be. Why don't I just get into litigation and start suing people? It's just a bad idea. So I'd, I'd like to see us follow Europe's lead a little bit. Yes, I'm glad to hear that. And tell us, why are so many companies ineffective about recruiting their next employee? Because they don't think like them. In other words, if I'm trying to recruit my next rock star employee, the person that's really going to take me to the proverbial next level, I tend to think about my needs as a business owner, what I want them to do. But I don't put myself in their shoes. So imagine this. Imagine that you have one of your employees happens to be sitting on the couch next to the person that would be tremendous for your company, just the next rock star recruit. And that rock star recruit turns to your employee and says, why should I work for your company? What would you want that employee to say? More importantly, what would that rock star want to hear? They might want to hear that, well, this company will give you an opportunity to get better at what you love. It'll allow you to explore. It'll allow you this freedom. It'll allow you continuing education. It will give you this kind of autonomy. You can make your voice heard. You can make your presence felt. You can leave a mark. Whatever those things are, well, those are the things that are going to be attractive to a recruit so that that person can bring all of their talent and all of their passion to bear in your company. But too often, businesses don't think about writing the script of that conversation. What they think about is, here's my same job description. Here's what I need. There's a quote by Henry Ford that said, if I ever went out and asked people what they wanted, I would have sold a faster horse. What he had to do was anticipate the market. A lot of small businesses think they know what they need, but they're using their own mindset. And they're not accounting for the skills and the differences that the next generation brings to the table. 
So is there a very different way to talk to employees or potential employees if they're millenniums or if they're older or they're baby boomers? Yeah, there is a different way to talk. And imagine if somebody came in to you as a business owner and asked for a raise. The worst thing that person can say is, I really would like a raise because I need the money. Or somebody's looking for a job and they come into you and say, I, I really need this job. That's not going to sway you as a business owner. The reason it's not is because you care about what you need. You want that person on the other side of the desk to explain why it would be great business to give me money and make me stay here or to, to hire me, what I can do for you. It's the same in the reverse when you're recruiting somebody. If you really want exceptional people to work for you, you've got to think like them. You've got to be able to present it on why your best move is to come work for us. Why you're going to look back on your career and think that the best thing you did in your, the best decision you made in your professional career was accept my job offer. That's the conversation you have to have. Otherwise, you're not going to get the people who can take their skills anywhere, who have a million different options. And those are the people you want. Absolutely. And I'll take advantage that you're an attorney and ask you, what is the one question you should ask before signing a contract? <laughs> well, the one question you should ask and you should ask yourself is, why would I call my lawyer in six months and ask him to get me the heck out of this contract? In other words, what is it? What would make this a disaster for me? And don't just put down bullet points. Tell yourself a story. Well, it would be a disaster if the employer cut my salary in half. Sure, that's logical. Everybody knows that. But if they didn't give me a team to work with, if I didn't have a competent branding executive, or if, if they moved me to Wyoming, or if they didn't give me the tools I needed to do my job, or whatever it happened to be, you have to tell yourself the story of what would make the situation bad enough that you would beg to get out of the contract. And then once you know those stories, then you can go back and negotiate the contract to protect yourself from what you've identified as your real risks. But so few people do that. They don't look into the crystal ball and see themselves in the future and figure out what the real problems would be. So why should companies do annual performance reviews? I don't think they should. In decades of representing employers, in representing companies in lawsuits brought by employees for wrongful termination, I've never seen a company actually enter the performance review as an exhibit in their favor. The employee always does. And that's because the managers don't know how to fill them out. So most of the employee reviews, of the personnel reviews, will have questions to rate on a scale of one to five, one being worst, five being best. And they'll have all of these skills. How well does the employee do this? How well does the employee do that, et cetera? Now, think about what the manager will do. The manager won't put one because one is the worst you can do, and, and that person should be fired if they earn a one. They won't put five because five is excellent, could not possibly improve. And most people believe, well, you can improve. They want to leave room for improvement, so they're not going to put ideal, excellent, perfect as a five. Most managers don't use two either. They don't put two because they're going to have to sit across the table from this employee and it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation. They don't want an uncomfortable conversation. 
there, you know, there might even be tears involved. It's just going to be unfriendly. So most managers, regardless of the actual performance, will vacillate between putting three average and putting four good. Even if the person is going to be fired and is on a very thin line, most managers put between three and four. And so unless your managers are really trained, highly trained and specifically trained for filling out personnel evaluations, they're going to be a disservice to your company. The second reason is that think about the people who are coming into the workforce. These are people who are used to putting a post on Instagram or, or one of the other social media platforms. They'll post something on social media. They'll go out to get a cup of coffee. They'll come back and they will anxiously look to see how many likes they got. These are people who are much more used to instant feedback. They're not used to waiting six or eight months. It takes too much time to get the feedback because they're used to getting instant feedback. Exactly. Exactly. And the managers aren't trained to even fill out the, the performance evaluations to make them useful anyway. So it's a disservice. You really should, particularly in these times as a company, think of more instantaneous and more reliable and more uniform ways to give feedback. Right, uh, because the feedback is, of course, very important for the development of the individual and also to make sure that the bosses take the time and the energy to give proper feedback. So sometimes right. if they don't like it, they'll wait the very last moment to do the annual performance review and do it badly, as you mentioned. Exactly right. And what is the one key to winning a lifetime of great customers? You have to see the world through your customer's eyes. You, you know, a long time ago, a friend of mine told me that you're not your clients. You don't talk like them. You don't think like them. You don't act like them. You may not look like them. So what's important is to figure out the people, look down your customer list, figure out the people that you love working with, the people that you think you are built to work with, the people that you created your company to work with, and start taking them out to coffee or tea. Talk to them, ask them, tell them, look, I'm not trying to, to get you to spend more money on us. I'm not trying to sell you, sell you anything. What I want to know is, well, what I want to tell you is, I would love to have 10 of you, 20 of you, 50 of you, 100 of you. How would I get people like you? What do you like about what we do? What could we do better? What do you wish we did that we don't do yet? And then you listen. So the one key to getting a lifetime of great clients is just to find one and listen to that person really become part of their story because the chances are what they love about what you do is what your next great client and the great client after that and the great client after that will love about your company. So the key to getting a lifetime of great clients is to listen to the right person. Very interesting. Tell me, Elliot, uh, how can people get hold of you? But before that, tell us a little bit what kind of issues you help your clients resolve. You know, a lot of times I help my clients figure out whether a partnership is right for them. For example, how to align their company culture with what they really want to achieve, whether certain people are right in their organization, how to hire, how to fire, how to retain people. I'll help them on mundane things like how to collect money. I'll help them analyze whether this contract is right to sign or whether it'll kill your company. 
and I'll help them with negotiations on contracts. So it really runs the whole gamut of what tends to keep an executive up at night, what helps them run their company and helping them avoid disaster. Yes, and Elliot, what kind of size companies do you usually work with? You mentioned it in the beginning, but could you repeat that? I tend to work with small to mid-sized companies. So companies that are anywhere from two to $40 million in annual revenue. I see. Okay, and how can people contact you, Elliot? Well, if they just go to farsightedbusiness.com, www.farsightedbusiness.com, or if they can reach me on Twitter at, at Wagenheim, W-A-G-O-N-H-E-I-M. And also the books that I've written on management at farsightedbooks.com, and it's right there. Excellent. You also blog for the Huffington Post, I believe, and uh, you're, you're an author of Fire, Aim, and Ready ebook series. Can you t- just comment on that ebook series? Well, the Fire Aim Ready ebooks really encapsulates the lessons I learned being an entrepreneur and working with entrepreneurs for the past 30 years on the best management strategies as well as the best strategies for evaluating contracts for HR, you know, hiring and firing and recruitment and retention for partnership. It's a very simple mindset and how to put that mindset into action with every single contract you sign and every single person you hire. And so I put it in an ebook series. You can find it. It's on Amazon under Firing Ready or under Wagonheim. And you can find the series at uh, farsightedbooks.com. Excellent. Thank you very much, Elliot. Thank you. And your contact details will be on my website and on Twitters and all. Thank you so much, Elliot, for sharing your experience and your good advice. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Okay, bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to all future podcasts at excellentexecutivecoaching.com and sign up for monthly newsletters featuring all the latest tips and techniques to bring your coaching to the next level. Join us again soon. And until then, bye for now. Thank you.